Highlands Community Church. We're here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, ministering to our missionaries. After this, we're heading to Vietnam to speak at a seminary. This place is exquisitely beautiful and I miss you all so incredibly much. My bride and I have had this discussion multiple times over the years. You can see two missionaries who are both equally equipped go to two separate countries and then come back with this huge disparity in terms of their stories regarding the fruitfulness or lack thereof of their trips. Why is that? It has everything to do with the hearts of the people and the nations to whom the missionaries ministered. Those hearts may be one of four types of soil as described in Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower. This parable of the sower shows us that some people's hearts are like this path and the enemy swoops in and takes the gospel away. Some people's hearts are like this rocky soil where it springs up and it looks really good at first, but then at first difficulty it withers away and proves it was never really there to begin with. There's other people who have hearts that are it's like thorny soil where the things of this world and the desire for riches just chokes out the gospel. But then, then there's the good soil wherein the gospel takes root and grows and produces fruit 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what is sown. My bride spent months doing mission work in Malaysia. And after all that time helping get this church started, she saw maybe a couple of people abandon Islam, give their lives to Jesus and be saved. During that same time, I went to Brazil for like a week and saw 200 people saved. Why is that? It's because we were both casting the seed of the gospel onto two different kinds of soils. Which kind of soil represents your heart? What's funny is that if you hear this parable and it goes over your head, you don't quite get it. You accidentally prove the parable true. You actually are one of the types of soil described in the parable. Is your heart rocky? Is it thorny? Is it on the path where the enemy is just taking the gospel away? My prayer is that in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit of God would till the ground, break up the soil, rip up the thorns, and plow the path and make it fertile ground, that the gospel would take root in your heart, my skeptical friend, that you in Jesus' name would be saved and then share the gospel with 30 more people, 60 more people, 100 more people, and why stop there? This is such a remarkable text because it preaches itself. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. If you're using the Bibles in the seats with you, it's page 839. And you'll see that in verses 1 through 10, Jesus gives this parable to a large crowd. And then we change contexts. Then we sort of go into this more intimate setting with just Jesus and his disciples and some other people where he explains what he just taught to the crowd. So all I have to do is read the text. Jesus gives the message and then explains it. All of this is consistent. We see that described in, in verses 33 and 34 of the same chapter. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So Jesus gives the parable and then explains it. And then what we will do is just give anecdotes and stories of ways in which we as Highlands Community Church, through our global missions efforts, have seen this text proven true. I'll share with you personal stories, ways in which I've seen this text proven true. And, and I pray that in Jesus' name, you will see the Holy Spirit of God work on your heart as well. God has tilled the soil of the hearts of the people who were in Brazil and lost in spiritism and paganism for centuries. And now we're reaping a harvest of righteousness and revival there. God's able to do the same thing in Jesus' name here in Thailand. He's certainly able to do it in the United States and he's able to do it in your heart today. Look at Mark chapter four with me. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. 
And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed that fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell onto good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This beautiful motive just returns in Scripture. In the book of Revelation, we see this, this constant call and theme. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And what it means is that if you have the Spirit of God, if you believe in Jesus, then the parable makes sense to you and it clicks with you. Otherwise, it goes over your head and just sounds like this random story about throwing seed on different types of dirt. If you have the Spirit of God, if you believe this is true, Understand what's happening in your heart this moment. My friend who is far from God, you're being drawn closer. You're being drawn closer by the Holy Spirit of God into eternal salvation. God is tilling the ground and your heart is transforming from the path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil to good soil. Now be mindful, be fair warned. It is painful. It's a painful process. Let's, let's continue in the text and let's see Jesus expound upon each of the four types of soils. Let's look at the first type of soil, which is the path. He explains it in verse 4, and then in the background, the backdrop setting, we see him further expound upon it to his disciples in verses 14 and 15. So you can draw a line from verse 4 down to verses 14 and 15. And then in verse 5, he explains the rocky soil, and he explains that, expounds upon it in verses 16 and 17. Then he introduces the thorny soil in verse 7. Then he explains that in verses 18 and 19. And then he introduces the good soil in verse 8 and explains that in verse 20. First type of soil, the path. Jesus says outright, this is where Satan immediately comes in and takes away the word that is sown in them. It's hard to say amen to that immediately, isn't it? <laughs> that Satan would come in and take the gospel seed away. This is, this is pretty clear. I mean, one of the most obvious interpretations of this is just paganism, just pagan faith. Religious worldviews that are not Christianity coming in and sweeping the gospel story away. But it's, it's sometimes more subtle than that. Sometimes the things, of, the, the, the things that would sweep the gospel away may, may not you know, come you know, outright wearing the cloak of Satanism. Sometimes it's something else, something that almost seems virtuous, almost seems like a good idea, seems like a worthy investment of our time. These are the things that would snatch the gospel away from us. Sometimes the bird that sweeps away the seed of the gospel doesn't look so evil, but in effect, it removes the gospel from our lives. What is somebody to do with this? How do you pray for something like this? Here's the bad news, my friend. If, you, if that's you, if you've been lost in paganism, you believe that the Bible is true, but you also are kind of a fan of the Book of Mormon. You like what Jesus has to say, but you also kind of read the Watchtower, and you like what the Jehovah's Witnesses have to say. You know, you have equal respect for the Bible and, say, for the Quran. Uh, this, is, this is the bird. This is Satanism. This, this is evil itself snatching the gospel away. It's the same motive that Satan used in the Garden of Eden to take the word of God and then add on to it. Anything that says Jesus plus something, watch out. That is the bird sweeping in and taking the gospel root away. Here's the problem. 
the birds are never going to stop swooping in. I can't promise you that the enemy won't try to deceive you anymore. He still would intend to steal and kill and destroy what God is doing in your life. My prayer is that he would till the path and let let the gospel seed take root in your heart and in your soul. I can't promise that they won't come knock on your door and try to lead you away from Jesus again, but my prayer in Jesus' name is that you would lead them to the gospel of Jesus Christ when they come to your door. This, this teaching is all over Thailand. On every corner, there's some sort of idol or spirit box, and, and I've seen multiple people go past them since we've arrived here and, and sort of do a pray hands bow towards it. They're not praying to the spirit that is present within that idol. They're just trying to pay it respect so that it doesn't torment them. What they walk away with is a temporary lapse in their fear, not peace. Not peace. My prayer is that you would have something far greater than somebody who's merely paid respect to a territorial demon, but that in Jesus' name you would know the peace that is everlasting, the peace that comes from knowing that you belong to God, that Isaiah 54:10's words are true of you, that the Lord loves you, that though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet His undying love for you will never fail, nor His covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Abandon pagan teachings. Place your faith in Jesus alone, because only Jesus can save. This is the path. Let's talk about the rocky soil. Jesus first gives that teaching in verse 5, and then he expounds upon it in verses, in verses 16 and 17. All right, this rocky ground can be difficult to spot. This is describing a Christian who needs a constant emotional fix, and whose initial initial infatuation with the gospel looks really good, but the very first sign of hardship and difficulty or persecution causes it to wither away. If your view of God is that he's like Santa Claus, your whole faith's going to get rocked to the ground the moment that you realize sometimes it's not his will that you have the thorn removed from your flesh. Though you plead with him multiple times like Paul did, he will not remove it. Your faith's going to get rocked when you come upon Hebrews 11. And you see that godly people who loved the Lord were sawed in half. People who loved the Lord were crucified upside down. People who loved the Lord were persecuted. People who loved the Lord suffered that sometimes it's God's will that you would face affliction. Like what Peter wrote to the persecuted church in the first century, though now for a little while it may, it may, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, here's, here's something that happens though. Sometimes... Christians who are more seasoned in their faith and more steadfast in their walk can sometimes mistake somebody who has spiritual fervor for somebody whose faith is built on rocky ground. All right, do not make this mistake. Do not mistake spiritual passion for ephemeral faith. Here's what I mean. I'm currently on a mission trip, which means that I'm going to be utterly insufferable to be around when I get home. All right, here I am, I'm on, I'm on mission in Thailand. I'm gonna come home, I'm gonna wonder why other people don't go on mission to Thailand every Thursday. And I'm gonna be enlisting everybody I can to go on global mission trips, go on short-term trips. I'm gonna to go to the nursery and, and, and anoint babies as missionaries. I'm gonna be insufferable. So if you see me coming in the lobby at, at Highlands Renton, or if you see me greeting people at the door at Highlands Kent, if you have vacation plans this summer that last the entire summer long, you better avoid me because I'm going to enlist you to go on summer missions. I'm going to be insufferable. But then what's going to happen? Then what happens after that? Then after this sunburn turns into a tan and then the tan fades away and I look more like I live in Seattle, then I get, I get wrapped up in tax season 
and I get burnt out by the traffic on 405 and, and I start trying to plug things with USBs in and I get it wrong the first time and I have to flip it over and plug it in the second time. And then I wonder why I use things with USBs and not USB-Cs. And then I have to unsubscribe from all the spam that fills my inbox. And then I just get, I just get burnout and that fire fades, doesn't it? Which of these is actually a better grip on reality? The Christian whose heart is on fire for the gospel or the Christian who is just feeling physical pain as he goes over receipts with his accountant? Which one of these actually has a better grip on reality? Because taxes, yeah, sure, they're a huge pain, but they don't last forever. They last only in this lifetime. How long is eternity? Which of these is ultimately more meaningful? Which of these is ultimately more significant? Which of these is a better grip on reality? The Christian who is trying to enlist others and shouting to get others to share the gospel and answer the Great Commission, or the Christian who is shouting at all of the interstate at a dead stop and telling them to move. Which of these is actually a better grip on reality? I submit to you that the Christian whose heart is on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ has a better fix on what is real, a better fix on what is meaningful and what is lasting and what is actual than the Christian who is burnt out, who is bored, who is enslaved once again to the things of this world. Let us not look to those who are on fire as they come home from retreats condescendingly as they don't have a grip on reality. They have a better grip on reality than we do. While we're unsubscribing from Blue Apron emails for the third time that week, we're actually caught up with our nose to things that don't last, that don't mean anything. So let's take it easy on our students when they come home from a retreat and they come home from camp and they're on fire for the Lord. They're not delusional. We are if we're burnt out. So be careful with this rocky soil. Sometimes it can be easy to ascribe to somebody who has spiritual fervor that they're on rocky soil when really, really they're on fire for the Lord. So this can be easily misdiagnosed. However, be fair warned, this rocky soil is the most common type of heart represented in modern American Christianity because the number one reason that people give for leaving their Christian faith behind is they face difficulty and suffering. Now, we've seen the path, see the rocky soil, the thorns are next. Jesus introduces the thorns in the parable in verse 7. He explains it in verses 18 and 19. This is, this is a fascinating one, especially in the American context. These thorns that would choke out the gospel, you might think that they're difficult, painful experiences, but in our context, in the American context, these thorns are actually quite beautiful. They actually come with leather interior. They actually, they actually come in 4K definition. They actually come quite, quite exquisitely, opulently, and, and luxuriously. These thorns that would choke out the gospel, that would distract us from the things that matter, are riches of this age. It's the things of this world. These, these, these riches, these things that you would withhold from God if He asked you for them, they are in fact Lord in your life. Think on the rich young ruler. He was given this invitation. He could have been the 13th disciple. Jesus said, come and follow me. The exact same words that he said to Simon, he said to this rich young ruler. But what happened? Instead, he, he walked away sad. Why? Because the riches of this world have become Lord in his life. Would you let the Spirit of God take the Word of God to convict your heart? Is your heart riddled with thorns? Are you entangled with these things? This is going to be excruciatingly painful, but I want you to invite God to till the soil and rip up the thorns from the root 
sacrifice everything for Jesus because he has sacrificed everything for you. Anything that you would withhold from God if he asked you for it, that thing is actually Lord in your life. And it's time, it's time to get some weed killer. Her name was Chanda. Some of our missionaries here, the Beckwiths, connected with another family, Sopian and Sopiep. Sopan and Sopiep were a part of a network of church plants around the border between Cambodia and Thailand that just grew. And some of the only church networks that were able to actually thrive and grow here in this culture. Chanda was a part of one of those churches. She came, heard the gospel, and seemed to thrive at first and do really well. Her parents had arranged for her to marry a man. And uh, he was a Buddhist monk. She had the ability to back out of the arrangement if she wanted to, but he had a motorcycle. He had a lot of worldly possessions. He would provide economic security. And in time, the thorns just grew. And they grew healthy and they grew large. And we don't see Chanda that often at this particular church anymore. Hebrews 13 warns us about this, that the love of money is the root of all sorts of evils. That we can forsake the calling of God just for mere financial gain. It can draw us away from what God has for us. It's not always God's will that we should financially prosper. It's not always God's will that we should thrive in that regard. Sometimes it's God's will that we would endure hardship. Sometimes that's God's will. These thorns that entangle, that can be quite beautiful and quite dangerous. The fourth type of soil is the good soil. Look at what Jesus explains in verse 20. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. This is important. Accept the gospel and bear fruit. By their fruits you will know them. We studied the book of Galatians. We see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is, these are the evidences of somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. They are contrary to the works of the flesh. Now, by the way, somebody from Highlands Community Church actually took the works of the flesh listed in Galatians 5, witchcraft, sorcery, anger, and, and, and made this beautiful artwork for me, <laughs> listing all of them in cursive and putting it across the sepia tone sunset backdrop. <laughs> so thank you for that. I want to put it up in the foyer, but I don't think Jesse would like it. This bearing fruit thing is important. Not everyone who says to Jesus, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who actually do the will of God. It is important to both believe the gospel and, as evidence of that, bear fruit. Bear fruit 30 times what was sown, 60 times what was sown, a hundredfold what's been sown into your heart. This kind of rampant growth can come from the most unlikely of seeds. The Beckwiths came from Highlands Community Church. And initially they were sent on just a six-month trip to the Philippines. This was 1979. That same year, Paul Potts, who had taken over Cambodia, killed half the population. In the course of five years, three million innocent people were slaughtered. And he fell from power, was no longer there. The Beckwiths, meanwhile, were in the Philippines 
and refugees had fled Cambodia across the border into Thailand just a few hours from this spot. So the Beckwiths responded. They came over to the Thai border with Cambodia and began ministering. Other mission, missions organizations began sending their people here. And of these refugees dispersed into house churches, they began to converge. And what formed was a church of some 20,000 people. God was at work mightily. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. In time, the Beckwiths actually moved into Cambodia. And from 1986 to 1991, Glenn from Highlands Community Church became World Vision's director for the nation of Cambodia. When they started off, there were 2,000 Christians total in the whole nation of Cambodia. In Southeast Asia, it was the least reached region. And now, 4% of the population of Cambodia professes Christ. Do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that God is able to bear fruit beyond what you could possibly imagine? Christian, you evangelize, but you're not just evangelizing the one you're evangelizing. That person that you're evangelizing is going to evangelize others. In fact, I wager that the process of evangelism is not complete until the evangelized evangelizes. What about the, what about the 30 people that that one might lead to Christ? Have you considered them? Does it somehow feel less awkward now to broach the subject with your coworker? Do you suddenly feel yourself a little bit more emboldened to bring it up at the coffee shop? What if that person leads 60 others to Christ? What if that person leads 100 others to Christ? You're not just evangelizing the one, you're evangelizing the one so that they may evangelize the 30, the 60, the 100 or more. What if the greatest thing that God does through your whole spiritual legacy doesn't just come through you and your direct influence, but comes through the influence of somebody whom you disciple and teach to evangelize? This is where rampant growth comes from. When the cyclical nature of the Great Commission is realized as disciples make disciples. When Jesus commissioned his disciples and told them to go make disciples, it effectively made them rabbis. Meaning he is the rabbi, they are the disciples. He tells them to go make disciples. That means that they are now rabbis. They are now to go out and to make disciples of all nations. So what of it, Christian? Have you done only half the work of the Great Commission? Would you consider for a moment now those whom you've led to Christ, would you walk with them as they lead somebody else to Christ? Would you walk with them step by step, make sure that this person is now baptized at Highlands Community Church? Let us know. Would you walk with this person, make sure they're connected to a group? We provide a heat map for exactly that reason. Would you bring them to Discover Highlands so they could join Highlands Community Church? Would you walk with them and talk about stewardship and finances? Would you walk with them and talk about global missions opportunities and ways in which they could use their spiritual gifts to serve in the church and then walk with them as they lead other people to Christ? Because you don't know, man, that this, this seed of the gospel that you've planted and born fruit could bear 30 times what you've sown into it, 60 times what's been sown into it, 100 times that seed of the gospel that you've planted. Do you believe God is able it is so important to me that you believe he's able. It is so important to me that you evangelize people believing God is able to lead a hundred others to Christ through that one. We're not done evangelizing, just articulating the gospel. Discipleship means walking with somebody to teach everything that God's commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not just evangelism and checking a box and walking an aisle. It's not even just baptism, although I crave, I want to see more people follow through with baptism. Stop procrastinating baptism. It is also discipleship, training them up in the way that they should go, showing them how to evangelize others. Do you believe that God is able to do exactly this? So, 
Let's invite the Lord to work on our hearts. If your heart is like the path and you're trying to juggle multiple faiths at once, and you're finding the incongruities less and less reconcilable, the absolute nature of the truth of the Word of God is just, it's just kicking everything else out. So let the Holy Spirit do it. Would you repent of any paganism in your life? Repent from it. Believe in the one true God, the way, the truth, the life that is Jesus. I can't promise that the birds won't stop swooping in, but my prayer is that the Lord would turn the path into good soil. Now, if your heart is like the rocky soil, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow deep. It's time to exercise some spiritual discipline. Okay? Think about it. When that person comes home from a mission trip or youth camp and they're really stoked out of their minds, what have they been doing while they were away? Well, they were reading God's word consistently. They were worshiping with the people of God consistently. They were using their spiritual gifts. They were serving. They were working consistently. They were doing the things of God. They were about the spiritual disciplines of God, about prayer and steadfast meditation upon God's word and worshiping in spirit and in truth. Those people who come home from retreats are more in touch with God and more in touch with what is eternally real than you and I are when we get caught up in the monotony of things. So no more emotional fixes. No more coming back for more to to get stimulated by a nice experience. Instead, it's time to, to exercise spiritual discipline. Let your roots grow deep because the sun is coming. And let it be said of you when it does that your roots are deep in the gospel. And then you know that despite all the heat, despite the fire of the furnace, that you know that Jesus is in it with you. And you're prepared to endure and consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that that testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, if your heart has been like the thorns, I've seen this. I've seen this before. I remember sitting sitting near the conference center, speaking with this young person, sharing the gospel, and he professed that everything I said was accurate. He understood that it was true. He's like, honestly, Jesse, I believe that what you're saying is true. I just, I just don't want to stop partying. I just don't want to stop doing drugs. I just, I just really would, I want to keep doing that stuff. If the thorns are choking the life out of you, would you consider, would you, would you, would you tell me for a minute, how's that working out for you? How's that going to work out long term for you? If all you have to show for your life at the end is a bunch of thorns, all you're doing is fueling the fires of hell, my friend. Would you repent from this? Would you give it all up to follow Jesus? Give it all away to follow Jesus. He's given everything for you. Would you surrender to the Lordship of Christ? That doesn't mean signing up necessarily for for poverty, but it means that Jesus is Lord in your life. And if it's God's will that you would lead a life you know, humbly in a hut in Uzbekistan sharing the gospel, praise God for that. If it's God's will that you would continue to live a great life right there in Seattle, praise God for that. That's awesome. But in any case, I pray that you would not be caught up by the thorns of this life. This is part of the way that Jesse and I knew this is the church that God would have us come to. We saw the story of the Brenners who gave up everything to go to Honduras and share the gospel and begin this home and this school for boys. And we began to look and more of these stories and more of the history of Highlands Community Church and saw that this kind of global outreach by people from the church who just gave everything away to follow the call of Jesus, to go on mission, has been something that actually predates even paying the pastor a dime. This is a beautiful, beautiful storied tradition. It's part of the deep and rich culture of Highlands Community Church. My prayer is that you, like everybody else that we've seen at Highlands Community Church, who's given it all away to 
followed the Great Commission, that you likewise would see the beautiful freedom that comes from letting God tear the thorns away so that there's nothing in this life that you would hold back. My prayer is that you would have a heart that is good soil and that you would invite God to bear fruit and bear fruit with the fruit 30, 60, 100 times what is sown. If you've led somebody to faith in Christ, that's great. Don't stop there. Walk with that person. Teach that person to share the gospel. Make sure that they're baptized, they're plugged in, that they're, that they're giving, that they're serving according to their gifts. They're going on mission and they're evangelizing somebody else. The process of evangelism is not complete until the evangelized evangelizes. Just how many people might the Lord lead to Christ through the one whom you lead to Christ or the hundred you lead to Christ? So I want to pray as we close. Whichever of these four types of soil represents your heart, would you invite God to till it and bear fruit? God, my heart is like the path and I'm entertaining pagan thoughts. The enemy comes in and steals it away and I'm, I'm getting rid of it. No more. No more, God. Never again. God, take it all away. Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, rid my life of the demonic deception that is throughout it. God, would you send the birds away and would you till the soil instead? If the birds come back, they can't get rid of the deep roots of the gospel. I believe in Jesus as the one true God. If my, my heart, Lord, has been like the, the, the rocky soil, I pray, God, that you would teach me discipline. Lord, I know that the fire's coming. And I pray, Lord, I pray, God, that it would only refine my faith. My faith would endure and be proven genuine. So God, remove the rocks. It's going to be painful because those rocks are precious to me, but would you remove them? God, would you till the soil, painful though it is for me, eternal, eternal is the fruit of it. God, if my heart has been like the thorns, would you rip them out? These beautiful, expensive thorns I paid so much money for, God, I ripped them out, Lord, I surrendered them to you. There's nothing in my life I'd hold back from you, God, because you are Lord. The things of this world, God, they don't mean a fraction to me as much as the gospel of Jesus Christ does. So, Lord, forgive me for pursuing the wrong things, these temporary things. Lord, I trust in the gospel more than anything else. The gospel alone lasts forever. All the things of this world, moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. None of it lasts. None of it means a fraction as much as the gospel. God, I, I lift up those who... Lord, our hearts are like good soil because you've borne fruit to them. I pray that if you've borne 30-fold, I pray that you'd bear 60-fold. If you've borne 60-fold, I, I pray that you'd bear 100-fold. I pray that you would not stop there. I pray that you would do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. I pray that you would begin right here and now with people at Highlands Community Church giving their lives to you. Oh, God, the Holy Spirit, the gardener is tilling the ground and planting the seed and I believe that it's springing forth now. It is time to harvest it. I'm that person, Jesus. I believe the gospel for the first time. I believe that the Lord loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son and that's Jesus, that if I would believe in Him I would not die but have everlasting life. I confess, God, that I'm a sinner, that I've fallen short of the glory of God. I believe, God, that the wages of that sin of my sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And I believe, I believe in my heart 
that Jesus is Lord. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord because the Holy Spirit is drawing on my heart right now. I believe that Jesus is Lord. Highlands Community Church, say it so loud. I can hear it over here in Thailand. Jesus is Lord. Say it. Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, God, let me be saved. Let the gospel bear fruit. Let this fruit bear 30 times, 60 times, 100 times the fruit. Bring revival from this once stagnant heart soil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.